Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening and welcome to the Monday, April 8th edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine's podcast, Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. My name is Mark Zirianis. I'm your host, the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine, and a third Don Black Belt. Tonight, I'm excited to bring you an interview with a longtime mentor and friend of mine regarding an issue that is very relevant to Taekwondo practitioners, particularly here in the state of New York, where I reside. Tonight's guest is Neil H. Greenberg, Esquire, an attorney, a Taekwondo black belt, and as I said, a mentor and friend. Mr. Greenberg's article regarding the federal lifting of the ban on nunchucks in the state of New York is the subject of our discussion tonight, and Mr. Greenberg will be discussing that decision and his article. But by way of background, I know Mr. Greenberg for quite some time. We we trained together, or should I say I trained under him, at the YH Park Taekwondo Academy in the 1980s. Uh, We quickly became fast friends when I became his student and veritable punching bag as we were training and as he was schooling me in the art of self-defense. Uh, We have stayed uh, close, we have trained together, and we have remained good friends. More importantly, I rely on his counsel and his wisdom and his insightful approach to matters of business and legal affairs. And I think you'll find that this interview is interesting and enlightening, and we look forward to more contributions from Mr. Greenberg. You can find him and more about his law firm at www.nhglaw.com. That's www.nhglaw.com. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Many of you may be unaware of the fact that there was a recent development legally in the martial arts world in the state of New York, something that probably, uh, but for a few publications and uh, our reporting of it, many of you would have, might have been completely unaware of it. And it related to the legal ability of practitioners in New York to carry nunchucks. With that being said, I have the privilege and the honor to have an esteemed attorney and martial arts practitioner with us today to explain uh, this case and the significance of it to martial arts practitioners in New York. With me on the phone is Neil H. Greenberg, New York attorney and martial arts practitioner. Good afternoon, Mr. Greenberg. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, My pleasure. If you you would be um, kind enough, you're not simply uh, an esteemed attorney, but you have the distinction of of having a, a, a pretty exciting martial arts background, and I think that brings 
a certain level of clarity and understanding to the subject matter. Uh, if you could share for us and our listeners a little bit about your martial arts background. Well, I began studying martial arts under Grandmaster S. Henry Cho, who was kind enough to send his top students to St. John's University, where I was a student, to um, teach us Taekwondo, which, of course, then wasn't called Taekwondo. Uh, it was just really called the Korean martial art. And um, they set up a team and, and developed a karate team that would compete with other universities, and I was on the karate team. And uh, after I graduated from St. John's University um, and finished my law school years, um, I became a student of uh, Grandmaster's y, uh, YH Park. Yes, and that is that is where the, the Taekwondo world suffered the, the loss of senior Grandmaster Hyun Hee Park, the founder of YH Park Taekwondo, where Neil and I became acquainted many years ago. And uh, a good part of the week has been spent both mourning and celebrating his life and contribution. So, Neil, tell me a little bit about this recent ruling, uh, this court ruling regarding nunchucks and how it affects New York. So, so I'm to understand something that I think many Taekwondo practitioners maybe previously didn't know, which is that nunchucks were not legal in the state of New York up till recently? Well, Mark, from 1974 until the December... 14, 2018 decision by U.S. District Court Judge Pamela Chen. Um, nunchucks were completely illegal to possess, much less use. And although many martial arts practitioners believed that if they had their own school, for instance, that they were entitled to use them to teach students, while the law was not rigorously enforced against them, they were subject to arrest and even imprisonment for possessing nunchucks. So how is it that the, this came to how is it that this came to become a, a recent court case when the um, when the ban has been on the books for for so long? Well, if I can just one thing first, Mark, which is that what what the state of New York did was, uh, by way of history, is they made them illegal, as, as bizarre as this sounds, they, they declared them to be illegal and placed on chucks in the same category as weapons, um, which you would commonly understand to be, to be a weapon, such as electric dart gun, uh, a switchblade knife, uh, metal knuckles, cane swords, and, and such. Um, and it was categorized as those weapons are categorized as being illegal to possess, much less to use. Now, to directly address your question, um, the, the law was changed as a result of um, the, the strong belief by a martial arts practitioner uh, Mr. Maloney, who had started his own, um, I'll say, subdivision of a martial art 
which he referred to and named as Safran Ha Laban, which is spelled S H A F A N, then H A and then L A V A N. And Mr. Maloney was not only a, um, a karate practitioner, but he was also a lawyer. And Mr. Maloney uh, wanted to teach his children his brand uh, the, of self-defense that he developed, which in part required the use of nunchucks. So he challenged the law as being unconstitutional and as being violative of the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which is, of course, the amendment that uh, grants citizens the right to bear arms in our country. And, of course, that's the amendment that's strongly relied on by um, gun rights advocates. That's that's interesting. So, so and I've never... Uh... In my experience, you know, it, it is so heavily relied on in, and, and always spoken about in the gun in the gun rights um, area. Uh, never really contemplated it being uh, utilized in, in this capacity. So this particular this particular um, decision comes out of not simply um, some theoretical discussion, but out of out of one man's experience and one man's um, uh, attempt to. Uh, uh, be able to um, exercise his what he believed was his right to utilize uh, the nunchucks in his in his training and the development of his children. Yes, because Mr. Maloney, he he recognized as a lawyer that there was no exception for possessing or using nunchucks, uh, whether he was a martial arts teacher, a practitioner, or someone who wanted to um, having been trained in their use in his home for self-defense. So so how did it end up playing itself out? The court, uh, this ended up coming to court, and as you said, Judge Chen made a decision, and, and what was the ultimate um, impact of this, this, this decision? It was, uh, my understanding is that it was not simply limited to uh, perhaps what some might consider to be the narrow question at hand as to whether or not he had the ability to use it, but it was somewhat it was somewhat broader than um, than one might have anticipated in a, a, a case like this. Um, you're, you're absolutely correct. Judge Chen found that the inclusion of the nunchucks in the definition of an illegal weapon in the New York penal law violated the Second Amendment, violated the right to bear arms. And that was the basis for the judge uh, striking that, the enforcement really striking that portion of the law. So what do you expect that the immediate and the long-term impact is as it relates to the use of nunchucks in martial arts practice and outside of martial arts practice um, in the state of New York? Well, based upon Judge Chen's decision, and unless it was to be reversed by the Court of Appeals, by the Federal Court of Appeals, and so far I have no indication that that it's being taken up on appeal, but as long as this decision stands, then any citizen 
uh, has the right to possess nunchucks in the state of New York, whether it's for self-defense, whether it's for martial arts training, uh, or whether it's for individual training outside of, uh, of a martial arts school. That's very interesting. Now, I, I, again, I, I know that you were not specifically involved in the drafting of the legislation, but uh, in, in reading your article and in, in looking at some of the um, information that relates to the original ban, um, it seems to me that there was something more that was involved in the banning of nunchucks than simply the desire to, um, you know, keep martial arts students safe from hurting themselves with, uh, from hitting themselves in the head with a wooden nunchuck. Would you, (laughs) which I've done, you know, many times since the law has been um, overturned. Would you, would you agree with that? And would you be able to comment on that? Sure. Um, the, the the original prohibition against the possession of of nunchucks has what I consider to be a, a, a very bizarre beginning, which would seem more fairy tale like than real. But the real story is that as a result of the influx of martial arts movies, uh, at the time when Bruce Lee was really raising the level of martial arts movies, and they were becoming very popular in the country. The New York legislature felt that there could be um, bands uh, of gangs going through the city uh, using nunchucks to attack other citizens. And uh, as crazy as that sounds, that was the basis for the original inclusion of the nunchucks as being... Uh, an illegal weapon to possess in New York. That is just just somewhat mind-boggling, uh, but I think it, it speaks a lot to um, probably the state and the perception of uh, non-practitioners um, to this very new and different um, thing from the East that came, right, at the time that um, many of us who, who are – uh, contemporaries in age, you know, don't have the proliferation of, of uh, availability of, you know, my children can can literally go to uh, martial arts schools um, of their choice on, on any street. And in those days, we, we had to search to find someplace to train. And it was very confusing for, for non-practitioners um, as to what all of this excitement, particularly surrounding Bruce Lee and, um, and, and the craze surrounding him was. So it's a, uh, it's an interesting. So let me ask you a personal question. Have you gone out and purchased a pair of nunchucks since the decision has been, <laughs> been lifted? Well, I, I was following the case. So, frankly, uh, the day it was released, uh, I read the decision and immediately went online and purchased a beautiful pair of nunchucks, which uh, I checked to see just a couple of days later. And, in fact, they were sold out, and it wasn't a surprise that that happened. That, that I, you know, I had a very similar experience, and it, it, um, I I went online to a place that had previously uh, said will not ship to the state of New York, and they had, um, in a very entrepreneurial fashion, um, listed that band themselves, and and I purchased a, a beautiful pair as well. And I do caution any of our listeners that uh, it's a very big difference between hitting yourself 
with a foam practice pad <laughs> and the wooden pair that I have purchased and perhaps that Mr. Greenberg has purchased. So uh, I, I want to thank you for speaking to us today. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, find out more about your uh, amazing legal work advocating for the rights of martial arts and non-martial arts practitioners, uh, where would be the best place for them to find you? I guess at my office. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I guess you ask a literal question and you get a literal answer. Thank you, sir. And uh, we'll be we'll be putting all of that contact information uh, on our website. Um, and I encourage you to read Mr. Greenberg's uh, legal analysis uh, of this uh, ban uh, of this federal court decision um, lifting the ban on Nunchuck in the March-April 2019 issue of Taekwondo Life magazine, which can be found online and in print. So you, you've, been, you've been training in martial arts for a long time, and uh, for numbers of people that I've spoken to, um, some, some were affected by the, and aware of and affected by the ban on nunchucks. Did it have any personal impact on you when the legislation came into into effect? Because you've been training for quite some time. Well, in 1974, when the ban went into effect, I was a freshman in college. And we did some independent practicing with nunchucks. And we were completely unaware that it was illegal. And, and I didn't become aware that it was illegal, frankly, until it came up in the penal law section of my criminal justice studies, which was my undergraduate degree in criminal justice. And of course, once I read that in the penal law, I, I got rid of the nunchucks. I, I, I think you're probably um, one of the people who became aware, obviously because of your, your profession, that, that you ended up um, complying with the law. But I think for so many people that I've, that, that I've spoken to that were even unaware of it, the only reason that they've stopped basically training with real nunchucks is because of the lack of availability, but not because of their desire to comply with the law. Because I, <laughs> as I think you could probably agree, most of them don't even have any understanding as to how that law could even exist. I think, you know, and, and you, you quite rightfully cited in your article, I think that there's always been this assumption that there's like a grand master, master exemption to the law where, you know, that, that may apply to the common citizen. You can't walk down the street flicking nunchucks, but when you're in the confines of the dojang, that no one would bother you. And uh, I think many of them probably uh, unwittingly took risks and, and have probably done that over the years without having any clue that they were in violation of the law. I think that's, I think that's absolutely true. Um, I think it's also interesting to note that Mr. Maloney um, wasn't seeking a broad um, the declaration that the inclusion of nunchucks in the prohibited weapon category of the New York Penal Law under Section 265 um, was across the board unconstitutional. He was really asking the court for permission to, in his own home, use the nunchucks to teach his children, which just shows that Mr. Maloney, as a lawyer, was certainly sensitive to the fact that his being uh, an expert practitioner would not have protected him from being accused of violating the law. And it was Judge Chen 
who um, reviewed the law and granted relief beyond what Mr. Maloney sought and declared that that portion of the New York State law that banned nunchucks was unconstitutional. It would perhaps be appropriate for me to suggest that every dojang in New York hang a picture of Judge Chen next to the picture of their grandmasters <laughs> in, in, in between the American and Korean flag. Uh, let me ask you, let me know how that turns out when you, when you make your suggestion known. <laughs> Very good. Well, maybe at least Judge Chen will appreciate it. Uh, so you are, in addition to being an attorney and a, a um, martial arts practitioner, I know that you are a student of, um, of weapons. So in understanding the implications of this law, do you feel that there are other weapons that this may open the, the door to having those, uh, their legality and uh, their the validity of any uh, statutes that ban those um, to be tested? Yeah. Um, legal. Okay. So let me let me ask you um, to broaden the question a little bit. Have you seen other similar uh, challenges to uh, weapons other than nunchuck? Yes, there is some um, challenge. There's a challenge to another um, prohibited weapon, which would be uh, a, a gravity knife. Considered, not so much whether a gravity knife should be declared to be an illegal weapon, but whether in the city of New York the application of the law was uh, being being administered in in a uh, illegal fashion i should say or an un unconstitutional let me say this i shouldn't say illegal in an unconstitutional fashion uh that's interesting and, and that's a pen that's pending in the law right now well yes well let me give you a little bit of history here too um similar to the ninchucks the the gravity knife and this and the switchblade knife were declared illegal following the 50s movies when you you know saw the movies in the gangs with whip out these gravity knives and have gang wars and and they became became concerned for again for the welfare of the citizenry and they passed the law prohibiting it but as a practical matter if you have any knife any pocket knife closing pocket knife and if a police officer stops you in the in the city of new york and commonly they would stop somebody who would have a little clip that clips on your pocket for the knife Yes. And, and that would be considered part of the knife, and they would stop the individual and, and ask, you know, take the knife, and then they would try to snap it open. Now, if it took them 50 attempts to snap it open, and on a 51st attempt, 52nd, 60th attempt, it snapped open, well, then it was a gravity knife, and they could arrest the individual and, and search the individual. And unfortunately... Um, it was mostly Afro-American Hispanic um, people who were being stopped and then arrested, something that the citizen cannot really plan for. In other words, you could check the knife before you left your house. Let me see. Does this snap open? It's getting a little old, right? No? Okay, I'm safe. But then when someone attempts to open it 50 times, how would you know that was going to happen? 
how would you know that right. the way that the police could uh, use this law, the prohibition of gravity knife, by saying that if the knife doesn't open on the first or second attempt to snap it open, the officer has to discontinue attempting to get the knife to open as a gravity knife and must not charge the citizen, return the knife and let him go. Oh, that's very interesting. That's interesting. Well, I um, I look forward. I'm I'm hoping that you'll you'll be kind enough to indulge us, and I'm certain that there will be future um, decisions that will uh, be related both to the martial arts and to weaponry in and out of the state of New York. And we look forward to consulting with you and to reading more of your um, fabulous articles. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.